Welcome back to our podcast. This is Darren Miller. And on this episode of Let's Talk, episode 12, we're going to be talking about a very interesting subject, the subject of head coverings. Now, most people don't even know this is in the Bible, and many would be surprised to find it not in the Old Testament. It's actually in the New Testament. So we're going to look at what does the Bible say about head coverings? Uh, what does church history tell us about the subject? And should it be practiced today? Hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk. It's me, good old Darren Miller here. And uh, we're going to be talking about something very interesting today. We're going to be <clears throat> talking about an issue that really people don't talk about. We're going to be talking about an issue that most people don't even know is an issue to be spoken about. And so today in our episode of Let's Talk, we're going to be answering this question. Does the Bible teach head coverings? Now, this is uh, super interesting. You know, most most Christians probably don't even know that head coverings is a biblical issue. Um, and even the ones that do would probably, you know, avoid it or misunderstand it uh, at, at, at best. And if you were to tell somebody that the Bible teaches head coverings, they would probably be even more shocked to find out that it's not an Old Testament issue. It's actually a New Testament issue. So this is what we're going to be discussing today, and let's talk episode 12. We're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. So if you're going to follow along, I would um, invite you to join me there. Before we get started on that, though, I just want to remind you of a couple of things. This is a live uh, podcast, so it works best when you, the viewer, have the opportunity to, to put your comments below. You can say hello, let me know you're there. You can put any questions you might have. Uh, you can just join the conversation. Just leave a comment and I can see those and I'll respond to them as we go. Um, also, before we get started, just to let you know, you can join my update line at 210-361-9576. Just text me and say hello. Um, that's all you got to do. You'll get a link. You can add your number into my contact list and you can get just really brief updates about the ministry, about the, the podcast, and you can text me any of your questions. Um, finally, you can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever the heck you use. So um, it's available there. These these audio messages get uploaded each week, and you can go back and revisit them or, or share them with somebody if you want. Now, for those of you who already follow my podcast, I have changed, changed the uh, artwork back to artwork I used a long time ago. Uh, Darren Miller calling all Christians. I do have music on Spotify now. You can look me up, Darren Miller. Just dropped a single, uh, Remember Me. So to distinguish those accounts, I changed the artwork on here. It's more obvious that's a, that it's a podcast. Also, for anybody wanting to pursue uh, better or greater knowledge of the scriptures, wants to be useful in ministry, we are starting a new hybrid class um, at the Bible School. You can go to livingwordbibleschool.com, or I'm sorry, .org, livingwordbibleschool.org. Our new hybrid class starts next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Um, it's totally free. We're going to do a 12-week course on the ministry of the New Covenant. Totally free. We're going to look at the New Covenant, look at the gospel, look at the elementary principles of Christ. You can log on. That it, All you have to do is be able to do one lesson a week and show up at 7 p.m. on a Zoom link. You don't even got to leave your house. So you can join us, livingwordbibleschool.org. Totally free class. We would love to have you. Again, that starts next week. Okay, so let's get back down to uh, the subject matter of the week. And that is, does the Bible teach head coverings? Now, before we <laughs> get into that, 
you know, it's really silly. Um, there are 16 verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. There's 16 verses that talk about this subject matter of head coverings. Now, most Christians have probably never heard a sermon on this. Um, they've never heard it talked about in their small group. They don't know anybody who practices it. Um, and so to hear about it would be very strange to them, to say the least. I think as a, as a pastor, coming from a, a pastor's standpoint, um, also not hearing anybody talk about it, it not coming up or being addressed is also very concerning. I think as a pastor, and, and even if I wasn't a pastor, just as a follower of Jesus, that every single word of the scriptures are inspired. They're God-breathed. In fact, that's what they say of themselves. They are authoritative. And whatever the scripture says, I have chosen, my family has chosen to simply believe and to do. So I'm challenging you as, as we talk about the subject, as we look at the scriptures today, I want you to challenge yourself and to, to examine your heart. And do you have a heart that says, hey, whatever God says to do, whatever the scriptures say to do, I'm going to do that. If you have that heart, this will be an easy conversation. If you don't have that heart, uh, it might be a more difficult conversation for you, but it's nonetheless a very simple one. So I'm going to do a couple things today. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 11 uh, verses 1 through 16. We're going to look at what does the Bible say about head coverings? Okay. What is the biblical view of head coverings? What, what does it say? Why is this in there? Um, and then we're going to go and we're going to look at a historical view of head coverings. Okay. If the Bible talks about head coverings, um, what does that look like through history? What does that look like today in our society? And this is all going to cul uh, culminate with us answering one very, very important question. Are head coverings for today? I mean, is this is this a, re a relevant issue? It's in the Bible. Um, is this a relevant issue that we need to concern ourselves with? So what I want to do to to just start things off now is I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Please open up your, your Bible or get on your phone or just follow along either way. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 16, I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. I just want to read to you what it says here. And this is, this is what we're going to talk about today, the scriptures. And in chapter 11, it says this. Paul writes, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. He says, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if this shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For indeed, um, or for a man indeed ought to not cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, Neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman. But all things are from God. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you? 
that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him. But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory for her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. So there, there you have it uh, right there in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verses 1 through 16. Paul is talking about head coverings. So first of all, I'd like to know how many of you have ever heard this before? How many of you are familiar with this? Um, if you could just drop a comment and say, yeah, I've heard of this. No, I haven't heard of this. Um, I didn't even know this was in there. If you could just drop a comment, that would be great. I'd love to know where, where you are in exposure to this. But I want to cover a couple of things here. Um, it's it's really a relatively short passage, and it's really not that hard to understand. It, it's quite simple, actually. However, there are a few things, um, a little bit of the translation, a little bit of the discussion, um, and a whole lot of our preconceptions that make it a difficult passage to interpret, uh, interpret especially when you're reading it alone or, or when you um, don't really know what to do with it. It can be difficult. So what I want to do is I want to just kind of walk through this, and I'm going to discuss what is Paul saying, why is he saying it, and then we're going to look at some common objections, uh, what what people, what other people will say about this verse, the, the way they kind of look at things, and we're going to compare them to the Word of God. So let me start back in verse 2, if you're with me in 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 2. I want you to notice this, okay? Paul says, now I praise you, brethren. So he's praising them. He's saying, I'm, I'm telling you, you're doing good because of these things. He says, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and you keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. Now, uh, this is a very important verse. One of the things that people will look at or, or say sometimes when they're looking at verse, oh, well, this is just, it's just a tradition. Uh, it's not something that's important for, for today, uh, as if this is, you know, the tradition of man versus the word of God issue. Well, first of all, the fact that this is coming from an apostle and it's written in the Bible means that it, there is not a tradition versus the word of God issue. It is the word of God. But I want to note something about this word tradition. The word that we have translated here, tradition, in verse 2, uh, 1 Corinthians 11. What he's talking about, he's talking about the apostolic commands that have been handed down to the church, okay? So what Paul and the other apostles would do is they would travel and they would preach the gospel. And as people got saved and as a Christian community was formed, uh, most of their teaching was oral. They were, they were staying there for as long as they could or as long as was necessary to teach them sound doctrine, to teach them the things of Christ, to help them put their community in order and to live godly lives. And so their teachings um, were given orally, and these were the traditions passed down. Um, to, to kind of prove my point, if you were to turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 in verse 6, um, let's see, I've got it here to share with you, if you'll give me just one moment. I believe this is it. Here we go. Second Thessalonians chapter three and verse six. It uses the same word tradition. It says, but we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly. And listen to this. And not according to the tradition which he received from us. So Paul right here with the same language is saying that if anybody 
is living in a disorderly manner, if anybody is not willing to submit to the tradition, to the teachings that we have passed down, you need to withdraw from that person. Now, is he specifically talking about the same issue in that passage? No, he's not. Uh, but it's not important. Um, later on in the same chapter in verses 13 through 15, Paul writes, But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him, warn him, teach him as a brother. And so we have in 2 Thessalonians 3, Paul using that same word tradition saying, hey, if anybody doesn't obey our commands, doesn't obey our, our traditions, this oral teaching of the scriptures and Christian living, don't have anything to do with them. So in 1 Corinthians 11, it's the same word. I, he's, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and that you keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. So what we're about to read in 1 Corinthians 11 is not a new teaching. This is him um, explaining and fleshing out a teaching that he's already given to them and that they've already been obeying. And he's telling them that they're doing good in their obedience. So it's very important to understand, okay, right off the bat. Now, in verse 3, he says, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So what Paul is doing is he's unfolding his rationale um, for this teaching. He, he's unfolding his rationale for these commands, and he's giving us not just the command, but he's giving us the reasons for it, okay? Um, so one of the things I hear often when people do look at this passage, they'll say, well, you know, uh, I'll just give you a couple of these objections now. And we'll go back to them later. Well, this was written only to the Corinthians. OK, that's one objection. They say um, this was written uh, as a situational thing. It, it doesn't doesn't apply to all the other you know, churches or, or it's cultural. That's what they'll say. This is a cultural issue. OK, but I want you to know this, Paul. He doesn't just throw out random things. Paul is explaining things to his people so that they'll be able to understand it, live it, and teach others. So Paul always gives the reason. Paul is very good at explaining the theology behind our understanding of who God is. And he does that through all of his letters, and he does it here. And so what he does in 1 Corinthians 11 is he says that there are very real reasons for this practice that I'm asking you to obey, and it starts with the headship of Christ. So, again, verse 3, Paul says, I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and that the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. So very simple here, um, and we've got Claudia on watching, and Claudia says she first read this passage in college when she became a Christian, but no one taught on it, and so she was very confused. And I was the same way. When I first um, was, was leading Bible studies and things, I came across this, and it seemed to be very clear what the scriptures were saying, but no one was practicing it, and I had no one had taught on it, and so I just assumed you know, I must have been wrong. There must have been something more I was missing. And as I've come to understand the scriptures more, the scriptures have challenged that. 
Um, but here what Paul is getting at is every man praying or prophesying with his head covered dishonors his head. So he's saying, look, this is the created order, not something set up by man, not something set up by culture, something set up by God. The way God designed things was that God is the head of all things. Okay. Christ is the head of man. And man is the head of woman. That, that is a created order that God put in place from the dawn of time, from creation. Okay. And that is not cultural. That's not bound to, to, to any time, place, or people. That is according to God's own doing and purpose. And that is what this entire teaching is hanging on. And that is what Paul is alluding to. He's saying that, hey, as a man, if we come into the presence of God to worship him, and if we're covered, and we who, as it just says in the scriptures, um, is the image and glory of God. That's, what, that's, the, that's the language Paul uses. If we're if our head is covered, we're actually dishonoring our head, who is Christ. And so, you know, it's really interesting. I asked a buddy of mine not too long ago. I said, hey, uh, when you pray, do you take off your hat? He says, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I take off my hat. I said, okay, uh, what about your dad? When your dad prayed, did he, did he, does he take off his hat? Yeah, yeah, he does. And I said, well, what about your grandpa? He was like, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So what about your great grandpa? And he's like, okay, look, I, what, what's your point? And, uh, you know, it's very interesting. This is a practice that over the last decade or so has died out as far as men taking off their hat. Uh, but even when I, when I was younger and even still many places today, um, and definitely in the generations before us, men did not pray without taking off their hat. They did not go in church without taking off their hat. Even, even today, man, I've been out in, uh, <laughs> in uh, some, some pretty sketchy places. I was out in the Bay Area of Houston ministering and walked into the, these guys who were all tatted up and shirtless and chains and backwards hats. You know, they're drinking and smoking and doing all these things. And I walk up, you know, old white boy Darren and, and start uh, talking to him, start sharing the gospel with him. And as we're talking, you know, these guys, when I say, hey, can I pray for you? You know what they did? They said, sure. And they all started taking off their hats. I didn't ask them to. I didn't tell them they needed to. They just did. Um, and it's it's pretty funny. My buddy who I asked, hey, do you do this? Does your dad do this? Does your grandpa do this? Um, and he said, yeah, we do. I said, okay, well, why? Why Why do y'all do that? And he goes, well, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just respectful. And it's so funny. It's like we understand that, that there's some respect thing there to a man taking off his hat, right? We understand that, that the generations before have done that. You probably did that growing up. You might still do that um, just as a respect issue. And I, But people don't realize, okay, but where did that tradition come from? Where did that, that idea that it's respectful for a man to take off his hat come? It, can, it came from the scriptures. It came from 1 Corinthians 11. And so I showed my friend this passage and he's like, wow, okay. Uh, it seems... It seems to make sense. And so this is something that has been longstanding. But it's very simple that as a man to represent his head being Christ, Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians 11 that to honor him, that when we pray or, or prophesy, um, simply remove that covering. Be the image and glory of God as, as, as was the created order. That is what the scripture says. And the woman whose head is the man, she is asked to simply cover her head while praying or prophesying. Um, and that's also very important. So, so one thing, one thing we need to cover is 
the implications of this. Okay. Um, this is not a male or female issue. I think, I think a lot of times if the, the term head coverings come up, everybody immediately thinks about women and what they're supposed to be doing. It's not, it's not about women. It's about creation. It's about God's commands. It's about the order of a church, of a family, um, of man and woman. And so, you know, it applies to men just as well. I don't wear hats very much, but if I do, when it's time to worship and pray, I take it off. And if that means I have hat hair in front of everybody, well, so be it. Um, that's okay because I'm there to glorify the Lord and not my own image. Um, you know, and, and for women though, it's just a, it's a very simple thing. The, the, the scripture is not calling for Christian women to walk around wearing burqas. Okay. And I think that's one of like kind of an image that people get um, when, when this comes up, like, oh, you want them to do what? Like you want them to walk around wearing a, a shawl all day. You want them to walk around with something on their head um, looking like, you know, the, the, the people in the middle of Eastern where all you can see is their eye slits. No, 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 no. The scripture doesn't say anything like that. And I'm not saying anything like that. All I'm telling you is what the scripture says. And the scripture simply says this, not all the time, not as a permanent, uh, address issue or apparel issue, but while praying or prophesying and, and most people who practice this would just say in a worship a public worship setting in general, even, uh, but the scriptures say praying or prophesying, it is improper for a man to pray or prophesy with his head covered. So simply take it off. It's not really difficult to take off a hat or a beanie or anything. Um, it would be very strange to, to have pride against God over that, um, although many people do, lots of people do. Um, and for a woman, it's very simple to, to have a hat or uh, a scarf or a jacket or a hood or something and to simply in that time of prayer, if you're going to stand up and prophesy, if the Lord gives you something to simply cover your head, say, yes, I am in a willing state of submission to the Lord and to my husband or, or to the men in the room who have been given the, the leadership and the teaching roles of the church. OK, and that's all Paul is saying. That's what Paul is saying, that according to God's created order. That's not a value issue. It's not devaluing anybody, but it's causing a man and it's causing a woman to look at their own hearts, to look at the way they interact. And there is this constant teaching every time this comes up, every time a man has to take off his hat, every time a woman has to cover her head, every time it's presented that keeps things in order. It keeps a man leading, um, teaching these things. And for a woman, every time it's just a simple act of, of acknowledgement you know, of the authority that has been placed over her life by God. So it's not, not anything major. It's not anything um, uh, belittling. It's just the command of God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful, for a woman to be shaved or shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Okay, so let's stop and talk a little bit about the... Um, reality or the etymology of, of a covering. So another very popular 
defense to to this teaching is well hey the scriptures say that uh hair is given to a woman as covering it's very common um defense uh people people want that to be the answer because it it's a comfortable out for them to not have to obey the scripture um and it does talk about that it does talk about a woman's hair being a her covering in an allegorical way but I want to show you that just the scriptures alone, so I'm not getting into opinion, I'm not getting into church history or anything like that yet. Right now, just the scriptures alone proves that that is a totally illegitimate argument. And here's how. First of all, I want you to know it says that if a woman prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, it's the same as if her head were shaved. Okay, so it's it's the same thing. It's not that it is, it's the same thing. It's, there's a There's a comparison there. And then it says in verse six, if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn, which means cut short. So, but if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. So we've got three different words. We've got shaved, we've got shorn, and we've got covered. Okay. So shaved means exactly what it sounds like, having your head shaved. Shorn basically means cut real short. Okay. So we have a word for short hair. We have a word for completely shaved hair. And those are completely different words than the words used for covered. So covered can't be the same thing as those. That doesn't even make sense. Okay. First of all, secondly, in the Greek, um, the word that is used for covered literally means something placed over or down the head that completely covers the head. So the Greek itself implies a separate additional covering. The grammar or the uh, 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 literature itself, the, what Paul is saying also implies emphatically that there is a second additional covering. These cannot be the same things, okay? It's just, it's just not a possible, it's not an accurate thing to say um, is what I'm getting at here. But then in verse 10, he adds to this issues of, of covering, a real physical covering by saying, that women ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Now that's kind of, it seems kind of crazy, I think, to most people. And unfortunately, Paul does not go into that. He doesn't give us any explanation of, of what do you mean because of the angels. But there is enough in the scripture to give us an idea of of what he's saying at the very least without going on a whole separate you know train of thought on this issue at the very least we know that there was um improper relationships with um angels in the beginning before the flood right and the nephilim and all that very kind of interesting stories we also know that there are holy angels in service to the lord there's also fallen angels that are completely against god and his people um, and that they 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 behold the face of God, they see spiritual things, and they are very, very aware of obedience, of disobedience, of being in step with God's commands, of not they're they're you know, they're always looking for footholds into our life. And it's very interesting that he's saying that there is this issue in worship that women are supposed to have a symbol of authority over their head because of the angels. That somehow that is that is telling the angels um, kind of where our hearts are, and and if we are under a spiritual covering, it seems to be what it's saying. And there's a lot of commentary on this because, like I said, it's not described in the passage, but that is the general um, reasonable view of what's happening there. But regardless, 
of, of my speculation on that part, I want you to notice that already we have two things that Paul has told us. Paul has told us, hey, look, um, this command that I'm talking to you about, this command that you've already been, been obeying, this command that I'm, I'm thanking you for obeying, it's important for, for two reasons. He says at the beginning of the chapter, it's important because of the headship of Christ. And he said just now, in what, what verse were we in? In verse 10, that in addition to the headship of Christ, it's also important because of a spiritual reality, because of the angels. So he's, he's giving his reasons for this teaching, and it has nothing to do with culture. It has nothing to do with, with an isolated incident. The created order of God and spiritual realities are things that don't change through time, through covenant, or through location. And so Paul gives his own reasons for these teachings. Now, if we jump down to, to um, verse 13 through 16, this is really where things get kind of muddied up sometimes. And unfortunately, the way this is translated is not always very helpful, especially verse 16. But I'm going to show you a couple of things that should help clear that up for you. Okay. So in 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 13, it says this, judge among yourselves, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. And so a couple things that come up there is, first of all, when he's saying judge among yourself, is it proper? He, No sensible person outside of trying to have an argument against this, no sensible person would read that and say that he's telling us to actually make our own judgment. It's a rhetorical, it's a rhetorical statement. Judge among yourself. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head and cover? It's, it's, the answer is already implied. It's kind of like in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, the next chapter, when it's still chapter 11, 12, 13, 14. It's all about order within the church, all of it. Um, he says, are all apostles? Do all do miracles? And we understand from what he's saying that the answer is no. I mean, it's it's implied. And so, so the same thing here when he's saying judge among yourselves, we understand that that's rhetorical. Okay, He's not telling us that we get if, if we were the ones to decide whether or not we should do this or if this was an issue, then why did he just waste his time teaching us this subject? And how was there a teaching at all to be had if this is not an authoritative issue? So that would be a foolish thing to, to say. But what happens is we, as many people look at verses 14 and 15 saying that, hey, even nature shows uh, that these, these, are, these are truths. And they say, well, look, it's saying that her long hair is the covering. But here's the thing. You can't use something as an analogy for itself. He's using, he's using what we see in nature. He's, he's using the general... Um, not obviously universal, but the general understanding, men have short hair, women have long hair, that um, ha has been longstanding as an image of what he's talking about spiritually. So there's a, there's a correlation, there's an analogy between the, phys the physical and the spiritual. Okay, um, So to say that he's talking about the same thing, you can't do that with an analogy. But like we already stated, he's already proven in the text, shaved, shorn, and covered that he's not talking about hair. He's talking about an additional covering. And if this was talking about hair, well, then that would put me as a man in a really awkward position because I can't take my hair off and put it back on every time I want to pray. How am I supposed to do that? That that does not make sense. 
Um, and so it's a very uh, kind of a foolish argument. Um, I'm, and I'm not saying that to offend anybody. I know a lot of times when you first read that, it seems to be that way. But with a closer examination of the scripture, it's very obvious that that is not what's being said. And, and any biblical teacher, any scholar, any pastor with integrity could not look at that passage and tell you that that's what that means. Okay. Um, so let's, let's just kind of set that. Now here's the final part. And I'll admit that when I first read through this many, many, many years ago, um, it was a bit of a confusion just because of the wording. And it kind of gave me a cop out for the time where I was like, well, I don't really understand this. Um, it seems to be saying what it says that there's, some teaching about head coverings that we should be obeying, but I've never heard about this. I don't see anybody else in the church doing this. I've never seen this done. So I just assumed as a young believer that I was missing something and everybody else was right. Um, and in verse 16, this is the new King James version. It says, but if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. Now that is a really, I love the new King James version, but that is a really poor Poor translation. And what happens is when people read that translation or, or the way it's worded similarly in other translations, they think it's saying, that, hey, um, if there's any argument about this, well, hey, we don't we don't practice. We don't practice this. We don't. This is an issue. Again, if this is not an issue, if this is not something that they have a practice of, why did Paul just waste his breath teaching it to us for 15 verses? OK, so that doesn't make sense. But I want to show you a couple of things, a couple of verses or a couple of translations that make what he's saying abundantly clear. Let's see. The first one, we're going to go to the Amplified version. Now, the Amplified version is, is a great, um, great version to use for study. What it does is it takes the, the verse, it translates it just like every other verse. They have their own way of translating it. But then there'll be these little brackets. And inside the brackets, what it does is it expounds on the, um, the meaning in the original text or, or, or other ways of translating it in that, in that verse. So it's very helpful. And so this is what we have here in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 16 in the Amplified Bible. It says this. Now, if anyone is inclined to be contentious about this, about the issue of head coverings, we have no other practice in worship than this, nor do the churches of God in general. Um, so it sounds a little different. And so what is he saying there? What he's saying there is, hey, look, here is our teaching about head coverings. You've already been obeying it. We're thankful that you're obeying it. But now I want you to understand why. Why is this a command? It's a command because of headship. It's a command because of the angels. And, um, and if anybody wants to argue about this subject matter and say that it's not an issue that they should have to obey or practice. What he's saying is that they need to know, and you need to know as a church, that there is no other practice in any other churches other than this. Basically, to, to reword that, this is the only practice that we have in all the churches, and there's no dispute. And so in verse 16, Paul is not saying that this is something to be unconcerned about. What Paul is saying is that there's actually a unified decision on this matter with no exception in every church. So what happens to the argument that this was somehow specifically for the Corinthians or that somehow this was cultural, it's completely shattered 
in the face of this verse. And I'm going to do something which I love to do. And I'm going to I'm going to read the verse to you one more time in the Hawaiian Pigeon translation. Uh, Hawaiian Pigeon Bible. Now this is such a cool Bible. So uh, pigeon it, right there, P-I-D-G-I-N. Pigeon is a common kind of street language of the Hawaiian people. And so they got their own translation, which is super cool. And what's great about the Hawaiian Pigeon version is they make it super, super simple because it has to match that common street language. But as biblical scholars, it still has to be accurate to the original text. And so this is a great translation. And it says this about the same passage. But if anyone like argue about this, they got to figure like this. All us leader guys in the church people all over, that's the way we do them. <laughs> Now, that's just cool to read. I don't care who you are. And I don't have a very good accent. I'm horrible with accents. But that's what he said. He says there, if anyone wants to argue, they have to understand this, that all of the leaders and all of the church people everywhere, they practice this. That is the correct interpretation of uh, verse 16 in 1 Corinthians 11. And so suddenly all these other arguments disappear okay they can't actually stand up even against the scripture itself i haven't even used any outside help yet um so let's let's get down to kind of the nitty-gritty then if this is a biblical issue if this is taught in the new testament and if this is something that should be practiced today in worship why is it that nobody else is doing it why is it that this is basically non-existent um, at least in the American context, right? And why also does it seem so absurd and offensive to talk about when, I mean, it really shouldn't be. I think as a Christian, um, having clear instruction from the scripture should not be offensive to us, but it is. So why? Well, first of all, I, I want to take a look at the historical aspect. So we've looked at it biblically. Okay, we've seen what the scripture says. You can do your study, your own study on the Greek, but I know what the Greek says. It's very, very straightforward. Um, it proves its own point. But somebody might say to me, well, Darren, that's just your interpretation. And, and it's so funny. It, it doesn't matter how thoroughly and well I can prove, scripturally prove an issue. There's always somebody who just says, well, that's your opinion. And it blows my mind because it's not my opinion. It's simply what the word of God says. But Someone might say, Darren, well, that's just your opinion. That's, and I'll say this. Okay, well, hey, let's do this. If you think that this is simply my opinion and this is simply my interpretation, well, then how do we solve that problem? Well, it's very simple. If we go back in church history and look at the people who were alive during this time period, the recipients of the letters from Paul, the people in that time period, in that day and age, when they read Paul's letter, how did they view that scripture? How do they view that command? And it's it's very simple. According to church history, they viewed this command as a literal head covering, and they obeyed it, just as it says in verse 16, that there was, this is the only practice that the church had. And church history proves that that is the way they saw um, this. That is the proper interpretation, and that is the way the recipients of these letters practiced it. Now, if I had more time, or if I could share my screen, which I probably could do, but I'm not prepared to do that at the moment, I could show you actually pictures um, throughout all the ages um, and throughout all the denominations from all over the world that depict in the Christian context women wearing head coverings for, for worship. Um, 
But because I don't have time for that at the moment, what I do want to share with you are some people, some very prominent, well-known people throughout the ages that have held to this and taught this as a biblical truth. Some of these you might know, some of these you might not, or you might know, you might not. So uh, St. Basil the Great, um, he was one. Dr. Lo Lloyd Joint, uh, uh, Dr. Lloyd Jones of Westminster Chapel taught about this, and you can find quotes on him. Derek Prince, most, well, I don't want to say most, many, many people today know who Derek Prince is. He's an international speaker, pastor. He wrote, I think, over like 90 books or something like that. And in, in all kinds of circles, I know, especially in like the charismatic circles, and but in but in all kinds of circles, he's a very revered man of God. I, I, I think he's a great teacher, great teacher. And he teaches on this subject as a biblical command. And you can even see in some of his videos where he's preaching and his wife will be next to him wearing a head covering. William McDonald, the president of Emmaus Bible College, preaches and holds to this. Watchman Nee, a very, very well-known, uh, I believe, Chinese brother. Uh, Witness Lee, Harry Ironside from Moody Church. Um, I think he died in the 50s, very well-known, very well-known figure. Um, here's someone you might have heard of, Charles Spurgeon, also teaches and holds to this as a biblical command. Uh, Martin Luther teaches and holds to this as a biblical command. Thomas Aquinas teaches and holds to this as a biblical command. St. Augustine uh, teaches and holds to this as a biblical command. And again, I, I could show you all the quotes of these, but I don't want to exhaust you. One thing I will say that I thought was really interesting there is actually a quote um, from St. Augustine in, in one of his writings where he's rebuking these monks um, and saying that they are hypocrites. He says that they, by expecting the people of the church, the people under them, if you will, to obey them while not being willing to obey the apostles' command, talking about this issue from 1 Corinthians 11, are hypocrites. That's what, that's what uh, St. Augustine said. Clement of Alexandria, he also taught and held to this. Tertullian, um, and many, many more. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but I don't, I don't want to waste your time. And feel free to look, look up, look up these quotes. Look up what they have to say. This has been a historical issue. Let me tell you this, and this is a fact. Okay, head coverings as a normative um, Christian practice have been practiced since the time of the apostles as a New Testament command all the way up until the 1960s. I'm serious. Now, I, I have to even be careful with that because it didn't go away in the 1960s. It's still prominent, or not prominent, it's still practiced today. It's still practiced all over the world. In fact, when I was in Romania and Moldova many years ago, and we were going through the villages and we were visiting you know, widows. I mean, literally they had houses where they were just housing widows and orphans and um, they had rehab facilities and they were visiting families and we were preaching the gospel and praying with people and delivering food. And everywhere you went when it was time to pray, they would wear these scarves and the women would cover their head to pray and the men would take off their hats. And I was just at the time I was like, oh, that's okay, that's interesting. Um, and so this hasn't this hasn't gone away, but at least in a uh, kind of a Western context or, or a modern uh, in the modern church movement, it has completely dissolved from our biblical teaching and practice. Now, why is that? So I did a little, little research on this, and what we see is all the way up until 1960, this was a normative practice. And two things happened that helped kind of usher this out of the church. 
Um, the first thing was it was basically a fashion statement. So you might remember or you know, be aware of for people who aren't old enough, like myself, I was not alive during the time. There was kind of the big hat movement, right? Where the women would wear these big fancy hats and they'd wear them to church and they'd have the little flowers on them and the big brims and things. And so what had happened is over time, um, <clears throat> this issue of head coverings went from being a biblical understanding that people were practicing with knowledge, with an understanding of why they were practicing to kind of a religious idea. Because uh, they didn't understand, it was just it was just a tradition to them. And then, as the the hat movement came in, instead of wearing little shawls or or covers, they started wearing big hats. And because it became more about fashion than a biblical command, because they weren't even probably aware many of them of the biblical command, as that fashion faded out, it also began to fade out. But there was another very important thing that happened in the 1960s or that began to arise more prominently in the 1960s at the same time, and it was the feminist movement. And so between this as a kind of a cultural practice fading out and the rise of the feminist movement, um, it began to dwindle more and more and more and more. And, and like I said, there are articles where you can look at the pictures throughout the centuries of this being practiced, even in America, even by the various denominations. But as our culture changed, instead of holding fast to the scriptures and, and this being taught accurately, somehow we, as an American church, allowed this to dissolve without any concern. Okay, I was not there. I was not alive. So I can't be blamed for that fade out. But that's what happened. And so today, when it gets talked about there, there is this bewilderment about the subject. Like, what do you mean? The Bible talks about head coverings. Um, and people, people say things like, well, that's just legalism. Okay. And so as we're coming to kind of the end of our discussion here, I, I want to bring up some of the objections that I've heard and, and address them with you. Legalism. This is a legalistic thing. Well, first of all, um, it's a New Testament command, like we said, not an Old Testament command. So it doesn't even exist in the law. Okay, typically, if you're going to talk about legalism, it's uh, head coverings was not an issue in the law. It was not a Gentile practice. It was not a Jewish practice. It was a New Testament Christian practice given by the apostles because of headship and because of spiritual issues. Um, so it's not legalistic. Secondly, we're, we're not saying that this somehow is a practice that affects your salvation or that it's a work that you need to do to gain favor. That would be legalistic. Um, or if you were to say, hey, well, the scriptures say you need to do this when you pray or prophesy, but we say you need to do this all the time. You need to dress this way. You need to do this way. And if you don't do these things, then there's an issue. And we start adding things to the scripture that would be legalistic. But, you know, the scripture commands for us to pray. Um, and I teach that people should pray. That's not legalistic. The, the, the scriptures command that we give and I teach that people should give and I give. That's not legalistic. That's obedience to God's word. And this issue is no different. There is nothing legalistic about being a faithful, obedient servant of Christ and his word. There's nothing legalistic about that at all. In fact, it's freedom because it allows us to walk in our created order, men understanding their headship and women understanding their, their place, um, um, in the relationship to man and the family and in the relationship to God and the created order and for us to be free to be who God made us to be in those contexts. It allows us to worship God with a greater reverence, right? And so there's nothing legalistic about it. 
Another thing that I hear quite often as people talk to me, they're like, oh, oh so um, what are you saying? Are you just gonna, you're just gonna come in and just start forcing people to do this? <laughs> and that one always, you know, it's kind of interesting. It's like, there's this mixed emotions when people say, say things like that. In one sense, there's almost, uh, it almost upsets me a little bit that they say something like that. But in that, at the same time, it just makes me laugh. Um, are you going to force people to do this? Well, you know what? I've, I've been a full-time pastor for six years, okay? Um, I, I teach and preach typically at least three times a week uh, in different venues, different atmospheres, different messages. I've taught the adults, children. I've taught on pretty much every subject imaginable. I'm the founder of a Bible school. We've done lessons online. Uh, I've preached at conferences. I've never forced anybody to do anything, okay? I don't force the people that show up at our church to worship or uh, to love the Lord their God with all their heart. I don't force them to do that, but I command it as a scriptural principle and that this is necessary to follow the Lord just as I do with all other biblically-based principles. And so say that somehow this is going to be forced on anybody. It's not. And, you know, and when people walk in our, our, our door, they come to our church and um, they're not practicing this or we don't we don't throw a head covering at them or I don't go over and knock off someone's hat. I mean, that would be silly. But what happens at, is as they see what we're doing, they ask questions and we simply teach. Oh, well, hey, this is what First Corinthians 11 says. This is why Paul says it's important. And this is what we do. And. Most of the time, 90% of the time, they go, oh, wow, I never knew that. And they start practicing it because it's clearly in the scripture and they want to serve the Lord just like we do. And so that issue of legalism or somehow we're going to force people, that's not act. That's not a that that doesn't exist. That only exists in the minds of people who have walls up on their hearts. And we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a second. Another thing that I hear quite often is, well, you know, uh, we know where this is going uh, and this is going to lead to all these other things. And then suddenly we're, you know, they're going to be wearing long denim skirts and having glory buns. And and <laughs> again, I, I, I kind of understand that concern, um, but it's really kind of silly. Again, that assumes that this is some sort of legalistic approach and it's not. This is look, man, like I said at the beginning. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We have made the decision that everything the scripture says, we're going to believe, we're going to teach, and we're going to obey. It's just that simple. And the Bible doesn't teach all those extra things, and we're not going to do those extra things. But the Bible does teach this, and he says that this is the way, that is an acceptable and appropriate way to approach the Lord. And so we're going to do it, and we're going to teach it. And guess what? Here's my experience. We've been exceedingly spiritually blessed as we have been obedient to these scriptures. God has been so faithful. I could go on for a whole nother hour talking to you about testimonies for myself, for my wife, from other women, from other men, and how God is addressing their hearts and giving them a new spiritual understanding because of this simple practice. But that is how it will always be in your life. The more you submit to the Lord and obey his word, the more of his grace and power you will experience. And the less you do, the less you'll experience. It's just it's just that simple. Um, <clears throat> finally, and this is very interesting, and, and this is the last thing that we'll address. So if you have any questions at this point, it'd be great for you to drop them. Any comments, now would be a really good time to add them to the comments. I'd love to um, talk to answer your questions here in just a moment. One of, 
one of the things I get is, well, hey, man, like, and when I first started teaching this, when I first started talking to people about this, I got this from, I think, three or four different people separately, but all like the exact same conversation. It was really crazy. And uh, they say, well, hey, man, with all the things in the church today and with all the discussions of the gospel and theology, is this really the thing that you want to address? Do you think this is really important? You know what? That is a very fair question. Um, but yes, I think it is important. And I think it is something that we need to address for one, for if for no other reason, just for the sake of our integrity before God, that we are not just passing over his word and pretending like this command doesn't exist. I'm not willing to do that. I hope you're not either. But secondly, when we look at what happens with this teaching is what it does is it actually addresses our hearts. It addresses the man's heart. It addresses the woman's heart. And if there's any pride, if there's any rebellion, if there's any wall there, it gets exposed super fast. Okay. And we've seen this in good and bad ways. It's been exposed in really good ways where people were honest about, Hey, this is how I feel. And we were able to walk through them um, on that issues. And, and they've gotten closer to the Lord now. And it's been exposed in really ugly ways where suddenly people got defensive and angry and even slanderous, not because we simply presented what the scripture was saying. That was it. And it, it shows that there are areas in our hearts that still need to be humbled before God. And the more we as a church corporately and as individuals humble ourselves before the Lord and gain an understanding of who he is and who we are in him, the more we become like him, the more we can walk accurately in his spirit and Satan no longer has a foothold in our life. So yes, it's very important. And when we live in a day and age where gender roles are out of place and even slandered, blasphemed according to God's creation, when we live in a day and age where marriages are out of order and divorces are, are rampant, yes, this is actually a very important teaching because what happens is when we get the understanding of this passage and the things that Paul is talking about, the created order, the headship and, and the spiritual principles, what happens is it aligns our understanding of what our marriage should look like, of what our church should look like. It deals with the with the hidden prides of our hearts, and it allows us to go into a greater depth of intimacy with the Lord. And so what I'm, what I'm saying is that actually when this issue is addressed in a man and a woman's heart, it actually begins kind of a domino effect of handling or shepherding out the secondary issues right? Because all, all these other issues, everything's rooted in where it's either, it's either we don't have a proper understanding of who God is and what his word is, or, or we do. And there's something in our heart that we haven't dealt with. That's where our issues and our struggles with the Lord come from. And this man, we've seen it time and time again, um, just dive right in like a knife right into that place. I don't, I don't know why it just does. And it makes us come to terms with, um, are we willing to submit to this? Are we willing to submit to the Lord? Are we, and here, here's a big one. Are we willing to look foolish to other people and to other Christians? Do we fear man or do we fear God? It's a very simple, very simple question. It's a question I was faced with and, and had to answer as well. And again, there's, there's this kind of idea that like somehow we're going to be walking around with this stamp on our forehead. Um, and that's just not the case. I would say most people, and this is something I practice. My wife practices the, the, our whole church practices. Um, and outside of our worship time, people would have no idea 
that that's something that is is even practiced, right? Because it's it's not a stamp, <laughs> but it is a biblical teaching. And so I challenge you to, to just look at that. You know, First um, Corinthians 11, verses 1 through 16, Paul has a very clear teaching. He gives his own reasons, has nothing to do with culture. It has nothing to do with Corinth alone. Verse 16 proves that if you go look at the Amplified, like I said, um, that that is the only practice they have in all the churches. Uh, it's a universal thing. And it's something that's very important for us to consider. And so what are what are what are the takeaways from this? Takeaways from this are very simple. Uh, does the Bible teach head coverings? Yes, it does. Is it legalism? No, it's not. It is a new Testament command that exists in view of Christ and who he is. Um, it is a, 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 an attest, uh, it attests to the created order of God. It provides a spiritual sign of authority um, for women, which I think is very important. I would like my wife to not be have a big old target on her head, you know, in the spiritual realm. And it helps put our hearts in alignment to God's will and, and flush out the pride and the walls and the things that keep us from moving forward in a greater relationship with the Lord. At the very end, it's a biblical command and we need to obey it. And we should be able to do that with a joyful obedience and not with fear and not with fear. Um, so that's it, guys. That's what I've got for you today. You know, it's biblically proven. It's historically proven. You know, and there's there's many, many people and and uh, things that attest to this. Also, if you're interested, there's actually like a whole head covering movement thing that we found out about after the fact. That's pretty cool. And um, there's a lot of videos about it. I, I don't know much about that movement. Honestly, I'm not like part of it. This is just a scriptural truth for me. But there was one video of a girl who the Lord told her. To, to practice this before she even knew it was in the Bible. She has an amazing testimony. So my point is there's some resource out there. If you're interested in looking this up, please look into the history, look up the early church fathers and what they had to say about it. It's, it's, uh, it's very clear. It's very clear. So thank you all so much for joining. Uh, let's talk episode 12. Does the Bible teach head coverings? And just again, before we go, um, you can follow me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever there's a podcast, you can get this. Um, it's also available on YouTube as a video, of course, on my Facebook. You can text me at 210-361-9576 and join our ministry text line. Just get very quick updates. And you can text me if you have any questions or prayer needs. Um, also, this next Tuesday, one last time, we will be starting a new class at the Living Word Bible School talking about the new covenant um, and what are the elementary principles of Christ from Hebrews chapter 6 and how do these as a whole give us a greater understanding of the gospel. That's a free class. 12 weeks long, one night a week uh, on a Zoom chat from seven Tuesdays from seven to 8 p.m. I'd love to have you. Uh, you can sign up there and I will automatically enroll you into a class. So all you have to do is sign up. And until next time, guys, um, thank you all for joining. God bless. <laughs>